Good afternoon, good evening. This is Tevo DRC of Tevo Creative Leadership and the DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship at onlinefellowship.us. We're so glad you're here. I know the Lord is proud of you today. You're trying to do what you're really supposed to do, what's really right, and that includes hearing from the Lord yourself. And so I'm going to talk about the scripture in John. It says, that he's a good shepherd, but the sheep will know his voice and the voice of the stranger that will not follow. I was raised in a family that just always wanted to hear from the Lord. They were not charismatic or they're, you know, Pentecostal. They were just Baptists and Methodists and Presbyterians, really the Presbyterians and the Baptists, basically my nuclear family and grandparents. I just grew up that we really respect and want to know more about God's Word. It's a lamp into our feet, light into our path, the Scripture says. God's Word doesn't need. That means the Scripture has the supernatural power in it of the Holy Spirit. And we need to ingest it and put our faith in it. And then it won't come back void. That means it won't just be, it won't just be lying there not doing anything in us. But we have to be proactive. We have to take some action, learn how that works. The other part is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. I remember my grandmother, Boo, my mother's mother, was a prayer warrior, and she prayed for people. She would, uh, they had a nice house. Her husband was in business, and so she painted the basement of the house, an older, you know, bigger house, and she painted it, looked like Wizard of Oz, and would go pick up the, the poor children and bring them back and give them parties and Bible study. And then later she built a, uh, a little brick kindergarten in the back where she taught. So that, I just come down from people that were capable people, God's people. And I remember her always talking about praying. And I didn't want to hear it when I was a teenager, but when I was earlier, I remember her praying for parking spaces. I was riding with her. Her name was Boo. We called her Boo. And we called her Mother Bam. So we had Bam and Boo, but her real name was Marie Simmons. So we would go out, she and I, and I remember her praying for a parking space, and God answered. So I grew up like that, a little crazy, but down-to-earth people, just wonderful family, and they were true believers. They weren't religious right, or they weren't into politics, they weren't into racism or puffing their own ministry. They just did whatever the Lord said and honored the Lord. But because I grew up before all the charismatic and all the TV and all the different things, you know, even that was there and valid, I just didn't know about it. So I can talk from the point of view that not everybody has to pray in tongues or has to be one kind or one style of Christian, a Pentecostal, to really hear from God. When Jesus had an encounter with the Pharisees in Matthew, this is a big point. The Pharisees tried to trick him, and they said the lady that married this man, and he died, and so the Jewish law, the custom was that they were supposed to marry the next husband. Well, he died, and she married the next one, and he died <laughs> up to seven husbands. And the Sadducees said, Sadducees said to Jesus, well, which one will she be married to in heaven? So he saw right through that. You know, my thought on that lady if I were the third brother or the fourth brother, I wouldn't want to get married to her because you know they all died. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that wasn't the point of me telling this, but what Jesus told the, Fed, the Sadducees, he said, you err, not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. That's the key. 
in the Bible, you can talk about the Bible and the scriptures, the knowledge of the logos, the rhema, how to work, you know, what, what is faith, what are the concepts, the precepts, the theology, all those things which many people have talked about for eons. The Old Testament for the New versus the New, not back under the law, all these different topics, doctrines. However, Jesus said to the Sadducees who didn't believe in the supernatural, he said, you, you err not knowing both about the Bible, God's holy book, but also about the power of the Lord, the peace of God, the presence of God, the manifest presence and moving in the spirit and also getting revealed revelation downloads free by grace i like to think of paul apostle paul who had written two-thirds of the new testament he would pray for the churches how did paul get like this well he used to be the persecutor of the church murderous saul and he had a big encounter with the lord the lord knocked him off his high horse and so he got a vision, a download of the Lord, the real Lord Jesus Christ, and got saved miraculously. Well, when he wanted to go help with the first 12 apostles who were mentored by Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all them, they were either afraid or suspicious, and they wouldn't let him help. And he wanted to co-labor, but they wouldn't allow it. They refused, so he went up to be with the Arabs in Damascus, which is now Syria. And we find out that even though when Paul has all this time, he's like 14 years, 13, 14 years, he's up there, not allowed to hang around with, fellowship with, get imparted to, be under or over. He's there with God, and that's the secret of what I'm about to say. When he was with God, even though it looked like it was not comfortable, a couple of things. I note that when he came back, he didn't come back with bigotry or fear of any Arabs. That's a side point. But the main point is he came back having to grow closer to God, to survive, to get in with God, to make sure he could communicate in his relationship. And when he comes back, he's now ready. And he writes all these letters to the churches with all these commandments. And one of them is in Ephesians 1 which I think is a huge book for right now. He says in chapter 1, what happens, and that we all need prayer for more. He has prayers that he prays persistently for the churches. I used to pray those when I was starting out in the late 70s, so that I could have faith that God really wanted me to know things that I didn't know, or you know, have more power and victory see myself seated above all the torment and all the fear and all the fellowship of going down here below in relationships. But the main point of this, the main verse is Ephesians 1.17. And this is the principle about knowing the scriptures and the power of God, because it says that Paul prayed for all the churches. He said, I pray that all of you all would have more of God's Holy Spirit wisdom, supernatural wisdom, and revelation in your knowledge of him. Supernatural wisdom is free. Supernatural revelation is ongoing ideas, new thoughts, new ways of insight into the Bible. And how? Through your knowledge of him, that's for every believer, and the relationship of private, apart, 
separate relationship, not just one of the crowd, but one directly to you, with you from the Lord Jesus Christ once you're saved, asking Jesus into your heart. Well, he says that that's the way to get fresh revelation, more free wisdom. Think outside the box. Consciousness raising was what I do. But it says you get it from your knowledge of him. That means being with him day in, day out, time apart with the Lord, seeking the Lord, hanging out with him. Not just reading books about him, just not not just reading the Bible, sitting under good ministry, taking good notes. So Paul, who was his own, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are only five books. The rest, most of it is two-thirds of Paul. And he, because of his close relationship with the Lord, he had big understanding and wisdom and counsel and fresh downloads of the Holy Spirit. I've learned a lot about Paul. For some reason, Paul has been one of my big main mentors in the fact that I love the way he deals with things that I could approach, such as, Paul said, I want to know nothing about anybody except him crucified. Years ago, when God had me out with the Christian community where I used to live on the East Coast, there were all these racial reconciliation meetings, pastors' gatherings, cross-denominational, urban-suburban, for a move of God, for repentance from the head of the each of the fellowships on down. And then, I, you know, I dealt with white people, and I thought, well, how come all this racism is such a big deal? How can I not look at anyone and just jump, you know, see them as a race, but see them as, like Paul said, I don't want to know anything about anybody except Christ and Him crucified. So I made a willful de- decision to try to look and see who they were from the inside out with God's help. I don't read minds. I'm not meaning like that. But also it helped my dad wasn't a prejudiced person, suspicious or fearful, neither as my mother. And so I didn't grow up with that stronghold, that harboring of fear or resentment or grudges against anyone from any other race, any other type of ministry, any other type of people group. So it was God's grace, but it was a learning curve in hindsight. So what I did was I try, and I still do, to think, I want to discern with God's help, are they pure-hearted? Are they evil? Are they my friend or you know should I watch out for them but I watch them not because of their earth suit that's just shallow I watch because they're I watch for integrity reliability respectfulness fear of the Lord also being a good good in their relationships to respect all kinds of people whether pastor or lay ministry or not and so that's what I think James 317 fruit that any wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure peaceable easily entreated full of mercy and good fruit comes out of there from out of there somewhere we're in a place where god wants his bride to emerge it is emerging but too often there's media and doctrinal legalism and media confusion because in Christian media, you can have showbiz, raise up fan club followers, but not disciples. P- 
People don't even know the fear of the Lord or the Lord because they've just thought, oh, it looks good. A lot of lights and action on TV. Let me be like that. Hey, my daddy said I was always a good speaker. I got a really good way of convincing people. Let me also be a minister. Maybe I'll get some perks and handlers and entourage like they do. And I've seen that basic grassroots culture develop all colors but I've never seen it as thick as I have in the deep southwest and the Lord led me about his body starting at age 24 when he called me to himself you know I was already a believer for many years but he said I want you to study my body all the different kinds and styles that believe the Bible leadership their doctrine their pet peeves their worship and one day I'm going to have you teach and build bridges between the different parts because we're supposed to be a community like Ephesians 4 not separate entities each one struggling and turf protecting and conniving and lambasting the other worried about church hoppers or you know trying to keep the budget together I think frankly I've thought this for years without the fear of the Lord in ministry like it is now why bother why not just scratch it all, make it one big community, let's start all over. Alright, what would happen would be that the issue would not be people thinking, I need to have more people. It looks to me as if their worry would be, I won't have enough people to meet my budget, which is money. So I look and think, well why, you know, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. In, in relationship, abiding relationship, theology, art, it's the relationship with money, our relationship with money that root of all evil in society and the world, I believe, puts pressure on people, makes them afraid, makes them snobby, makes them calculating, do murder, all these are relationship harmful things due to money or making more money, stress, family divorce, you name it, abuse, accusation, trafficking, all these things so I thought well let's just look at what the Bible says in the New Testament the Christian community and you know every word I say is only to Christians everyone else is welcome but we give our our ministry teaching and direct comments to the Christian born-again Christian ministers so I thought well what if we just say everybody pray and start fellowshipping with the saints where God leads you and when you see a person with the office follow them you know sit and pray about it first and see are you sent to them and then rise to the challenges that will happen in relationships and pure hearts that happen after that but nobody's ever going to be perfect not even you so you go there and say, I'm going to fellowship with the saints. Ephesians 4 talks about one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all. That's common doctrine for men and women. Talks about everyone walk in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering with each other in unity. That's Ephesians 4. Talks about the fivefold offices, the gifts to the church. The one church, but divided into smaller parts because of practicality can't fit everyone in one building but also different facets of God's personality will show up some will teach more on faith some on worship some on family that type of thing some on racism so we see that 
the eclectic God, the maker God, has a sense of humor, but he also has a plan that is more expansive instead of turf protecting, more freedom instead of legalism back under the law. And I don't see anywhere in the New Testament that Jesus set up overseers to watch everybody to see if they went to church every Sunday and call them church hoppers when the Bible teaches us in about the first church, they were house to house. Nobody owned the sheep. Nobody controlled the sheep. That was a later doctrine that came on the scene called the Doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I read one time, and it said that the Doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which God hates in Revelation 2 places, Revelation 2 and 3, letters to the churches, it was actually the first Gnostic, that means human doctrine, the carnal doctrine that got into the church, the first church. It means Nike, Nicolation is really the words Nike, based on Nike means, means to control and laos the people, God's people. So it wasn't good and God hated it. He hates control. He's the only one that should, you know, be under over everybody. So he, God hates the Nicolations. I thought, what is that? So the first doctrine of the Nicolaitans, part of it was that it separated the leadership, the fivefold offices, from the lay and put them on a pedestal, put them on a stage so that now they were over everybody. And to me, this is the why God might hate that. Now the people out in the audience, men and women in the congregation, think, oh good, all I have to do is go sit and sit under there ministry, take a few notes, look good, smell sweet, but then that's all my responsibility. I can do whatever I want to do. Let them do the work. So they didn't do their noble Berean study. They lost their confidence. They lost their ability to hear God and became pastor-dependent, prophet-dependent, apostle-dependent, which is right now. They didn't know that they could study the doctrine and be a noble Berean like Paul commended where it says he praised the noble Bereans who were Jews to see if, because they picked upon his doctrine to see if it was really true and compared it with scriptures. So God loves that. So are we encouraging noble Bereans, BYOB, bring your own Bible today? No, I don't see that. Therefore, a lot of people are confused and lost and confounded. Why do... Why did God send Jesus? Is he, is he the only way, the truth, and the life? Aren't there many paths to heaven? Oh, well, um, what is ministry? Is it just browbeating everybody into getting them in shape, Bible thumping? Is it taking up offerings two or three every week? Or not? Putting people under condemnation in the community with gossip, saying they're out from under authority and in rebellion because they don't go to my kind of church? Are they church hoppers? And so I put a lot of things because of this. This is local turf. Rubber meets the road at the fellowship. At the top on onlinefellowship.us, I put the PDF about what is common doctrine and what is things that people, Christians, would use to beat people down or gossip about them that's really not in the common doctrine. It's back under them is... Hebrews 10.25, the command by Paul to fellowship with the saints. Don't forsake fellowshipping with the saints like some have. 
That's a command. God holds us all accountable for that if we're a believer. However, he knows your circumstances and he knows it's a besetting sin that you don't have to be. He's not a legalist. He won't smite you if you don't go anywhere. To me, I think we need to make that clear because that is a huge topic at the grassroots. The guilt, the shame, the condemnation, also condescension of people who do go to church versus the ones who are known not to fellowship. Big sin. So that Phariseeism is a huge deal. It's too huge to go into, but I'm pointing out some facets that if you study the common doctrine and abide by that, look at the online fellowship top link that says common doctrine. I spelled it out. You can see if you're doing it and train people so they're not under the law or fearful because they're scared of being rebuked or gossiped about by the local elders. You know, there is such a thing as a prophesied, a long time Pauline prophecy of the falling away, the apostasy. Well, I'll be honest, since I've studied since I was 24 and seen the good, the bad, and the not very healthy, I believe that it is the running away. It, the majority is the running away or the f being driven away by false authority teaching, false authority accusation, people pleasing, human pleasing, people gossiping but never abiding with Matthew 18:15 go politely confront them if you think they're at fault Galatians 6:1 if you think somebody's in sin then go talk them in meekness and humility in case you're tempted by the same sin later so we have a lot of things that are really abiding relationship theology abiding in James 3:17 fruit even under pressure due to character issues real issues so the Bible has many more things than that, but you have to get where you can deem a fellowship, a ministry healthy, not political, not people-pleasing, not backbiting before you should deal with them. So we are. I like to think about really amazing things, helping people with their revelation, such as first. Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, one of my amazing jumpstart verses that starting in the late 80s, I started to put my faith in to happen to me. And it says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of those who fear the Lord, those things which the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But those things are revealed by the Spirit for the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. When it says, but no one knows these things except the Spirit who has to reveal and download it, that's exactly like Paul in Ephesians 1.17. It says, I pray that all of you get, all of you need and will get more of God's Holy Spirit wisdom that's free and also the Spirit of revelation in the knowledge of Him, being around Him, being with Him over time. So we're pointing that out to get back to that first church vibe, the first church character, the first church fellowshipping of the saints when it was happy, joyful, not back under the law, when it was more fruitful, they had prayer and fasting, but people really coming to the Lord, being one to the Lord in droves and droves. 
also point out the difference between Jesus, modeling Jesus, modeling the office of the prophet, apostle, teacher, evangelist, any kind of ministry, because we want to say we're not back under the law. He wasn't a finger pointer. He wasn't an accuser. He did have all of God's seven spirits in Luke, excuse me, Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of counsel, might, power, fear of the Lord, and so forth. However, no matter how big and powerful he was, and this does not, it was yoke-breaking power because he could cast out devils and heal people, raise Lazarus from the dead, yet he didn't have a big ego. He wasn't a male pleaser, a female pleaser. He respected his mother Mary and all people, whether they were males or females, sinners or saints, believers or not. So he walked around Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, and he said with all of God's power in one human man form, he wasn't a berater, an abuser, he wasn't a Pentecostal or a Baptist. He was himself, and he was the Book of Acts under self-control, self-government, under the authority of his father. So we look at today, or the modern view of Christianity, and we think, why is there so much bias? Why are there people getting hate speech, racism, accusation in ministry? And then we say, well, no wonder Home Sweet Home is looking good due to the Friendly Fire Fellowships of 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. I've studied for years. Friendly Fire Fellowship. And then what about Jesus as a prophet? Was he a finger pointer, a Bible thumper? Did he hate speech anybody? Did he disrespect the woman caught in the adultery? No, only the Pharisees did that. And they were the they were the Pharisees who were really Levitical patriarchs because they only brought the woman caught in the adultery and where was the man? They just preferred the men, let them get off. So we have to look at today honestly and say what are we really doing, saying and seeing? an actual fellowshipping Christ following born again ministry today and that's what I'm talking about this for all of us to examine question be the noble Berean but act in James 3:17 with respect for other people's viewpoints because that's part of common doctrine Ephesians 4 I'm not for compromise but I'm not for bible beatdowns either God is the revealer he has to reveal how to do this there's no one perfect race. There's no one perfect minister. There's no one perfect part of the Christian community except Jesus Christ. So we're doing our best, and that's why it's important to lay low. When you look at who's the real Christian, was he sweet baby Jesus his whole life? Did he ever lose his temper or whatever? Was he always the sweet baby Jesus, meek and mild, turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile that we all love to hear about? Well, I would like to point out that he actually grew up. The Bible teaches us that Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and in favor with both God and man, because he must have needed it. But that he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, and the Lord was with him. That's Acts 10.38.
So how come we don't hear people talking about covering in the New Testament? The only thing I found is prayer covering. God's love covers a multitude of sins. So where is the permission for apostles and prophets and pastors and everybody else, evangelists, teachers to gossip in your area? It's not there. And then if people are falling away, running away, why? Is it lack of authority, lack of respect, gender bias? What is it? That's open-ended, so think on it and pray about it, please. Because the sun is setting soon for forever. It's, you know, we don't know when Jesus will come back. And too many people are have doubt, real doubt. So I'm going to close here, but I've thought this thing, you know, God has had me, it sort of rankles me that we can't get it down yet, that we've got to have all this covering or who's over who and hierarchy, legalism, back under the law stuff. And that people have never heard of Ephesians 4 community. Why aren't we hearing more about it? What about Ephesians? What about when we have the picture of the Holy Spirit? opening up things we eyes not seen ear is not heard wow what about if you get a picture in your spirit of another nation that God wants to call you there that's why it's good to have a voice that is not bought it's free to hear the Lord for themselves yet they're not dominating and they will give it you know give you a piece of whatever it is and let you discern and pray about it because they trust and respect you to be the no Barbarian God meant you to be. So we're talking tonight really the boil down is relationships. What is the relationship between the born again people and ministry and lay, the people in their families, the people with their self-talk, the people with their children and grandchildren and stepchildren. What about The cutest bunch of little kitties cats that go by and we're seeing them all the time and then we find all the most horrible rapes murders mayhem alive what's going on with that I think it's because relationships take too much work relationships are not the first priority anywhere and money being a relationship is not educated about in school or in private homes that relationships and love is more important than money and making money also in a for in proverbs 2 1 through 5 by god's mercy i guess it was my parents and grandparents loving prayers by by god's mercy i happened to stumble across a teaching about the fear of the lord the humble fear of the lord in proverbs 2 1 through 5 and i found out that how you get it if you don't have it if you want it here's how if you want to train on it as a leader here's how it says that the fear of the Lord how to get it it says if you seek after God's wisdom as much as you would as hard as you would for making money having silver or gold then you'll find the fear of the Lord so the fear of the Lord and attitude about money wealth attitude about women attitude about a lot of things can affect your income now in New Testament times we're trying not to finger point I'm trying not to accuse I'm trying to be bold outspoken but assess and say you know what 
It's your business if you change. It's your choice not to. It's your choice to do the right thing. But if you don't, just know that on the last day when you die and wake up again, if you're born again, you're going to stand before God and He'll hold you accountable for whatever you did, good or bad. We're just trying to give a little wake-up, shake-up call in this ministry. But nobody's perfect. And nobody's good all the time. So why bother faking it? God is so good. You know, back in the day, those Pharisees were ready to stone that woman. And Jesus comes up and he says, Which one of you has not sinned? You be the one that cast the first stone. And they all melted away. Why? Because no matter how bad it was, it's over. And also the attack, you know, like the the thing in our past, the thing in our future, a lot of it is just a necessary, unnecessary burden due to fear. My goal is to have a college, really a business side, ministry, theology, abiding relationship, all these different things, but also a practical wisdom side, such as whatever training people have that can help somebody that would bless them and protect them. I also do counseling, but only to the person who counsels others, a Christian leader. And the best thing I like is to help them hear God about a relationship. Because I've had some humdinger, hum, doozies of a relationship, both very good, long time, but also long suffering. And we can help you sort it out. Because that's a really emotional, subjective realm. you got to be positive, pure-hearted, and then really seek the counsel and might of the Lord. The idea that Jesus Christ was a good neighbor, the Hebrew scripture says, love the na- your neighbor as yourself. So we need to see more of that in ministry at the grassroots. I like to think that Jesus as a minister had favor and that he was not limited by his own thoughts. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and man. Therefore, it comes to me that if Jesus needs to increase in all those, certainly I do. So I'm going to ask God to give me more favor. That's what you have to do. He really wants us to get out there in the Lord with his word and knowledge, full counsel, not just bless me, not just us against them or Queen Jezebel's buying or victory is mine. We got to go out to the ministry of the highways and hedges. Are people really final day ready or are they just fooling themselves? Are they really was Jesus only white or was he Middle Eastern and to the culture of every tribe and nation in the world? That's the latter Jesus I think of. So here we are just trying to do good like Jesus not please people but walk the extra mile and fellowship with the pure-hearted saints in ministry when we can. God is good. He is, because of his word, his power and prayer, he's kept me youthful, well-preserved, pretty much, and thinking like with childlike faith, but also thinking what's going to happen to the future of the church, unless the church right now pulls the plug on some of the abuse and unstops the realm of the 
Holy Spirit reign without minus bigotry, bias, racism, and the law, finger-pointing law. Do it for the Lord instead. You know, the Lord is coming soon. That's why I just had out of the blue three months ago tell people they need to be really final day ready just in case this year. Be final day ready. FDR, make sure their children are, the people they love and they know are. Surely you can be here one day and not even wait for the rapture or anything else with all the things on TV and online, the bad news. So it's really important that we get it together and make sure we have asked Jesus into our heart. We've forgiven everybody that we're on course for his perfect will and that we are true, thick and thin to the Lord. He will honor you that way, but if he takes you, you're ready. The others are not. So we're coming down to the wire, a lot of wires. I'm on Instagram now at Tavo under slash is under slash creative if you want to sign up. I don't know why, but I just felt led to share it. So we're trying to hear from God ourselves and know the lay of the land. And the lay of the land is pretty thick with, I hate to say it, big chauvinism, a lot of it. A lot of it, good old boy, I hate to say it like that, good old girl, and pablum preachers. That isn't everyone, but it's that noticeable I teach on it. So here we are, many good things to say, many good ideas, just need God to open the windows of heaven to take away all the need, and for me to hear God and be in the right place at the right time to get the word out. Same for you, too. God is good. His mercy endures. You know, through the years I studied healing because I wasn't ill. It came to my mind in the 80s. Renew my mind to stay big faith on healing to avoid getting ill. And when something would happen like a leg injury from exercise, I just went to the Word and He healed me. So there are many things that are practical about knowing both the Word of God and the Spirit of the Lord. But when He comes, you're going to need to know them both. <laughs> And warn people, ask your neighbor, your children, if they're ready to go if Jesus comes, surprisingly. I think of Genesis 5, the prophet, Nah, the prophet Enoch, Adam's grandchild, who walked and talked with God daily 365 days a year. And one day God just came and took him. And I thought years ago, I thought, man, there's so many people already listening to God just like that now. God could come one day and be the rapture and everyone gone. So be ready. Tell your friends, your family. Don't be afraid. It's more important that you just obey the Lord. Well, I'm going to have to go. And all I can say is His love endures forever. God's mercy endures forever. And we thank you for being on fire for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to keep that way too. God bless you. Have a great day. Jesus loves you. Talk to you later. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now.